It was absolute chaos Sunday in Budapest for the Hungarian Grand Prix, a start that saw a number of the top cars in the field exit after Valtteri Bottas ran into the back of Lando Norris, causing a major accident in turn one on the opening lap. But that wasn't all of the drama of the day. We've got a full review of the Hungarian Grand Prix coming up on the Overtake F1 podcast as we head into the summer break for Formula One. But first, a couple of notes. Subscribe to the podcast if you like what we're doing, if you've been listening to us for a while or if you're first-time listener leave us a review helps us grow the channel and also we have a facebook page at the overtake f1 podcast where you can leave notes your thoughts on the races all the controversies you can hit us up there as well if you want to email the show you can do so at the overtake f1 podcast at gmail.com and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Tony D Radio. All right, this race had everything. And a lot of times you hear that from races, they go, this race had everything, but it didn't really have everything. This kind of did when you look at it. It had a crash, top teams exiting. It had a weird decision by Lewis Hamilton to stay out when everyone was pinning for slicks. You have a first-time winner, and then afterwards you have a disqualification of the man that ran second. So we're going to dissect all of that, but this is the kind of race that you can look at two ways. One, a different driver taking the checkered flag, than you usually get with Red Bull and Mercedes taking the top podium. The carnage of the first lap allowed some teams to get some points that have not this season. And it created more drama in terms of the championship race as Max Verstappen now trails Lewis Hamilton by eight points holding on to a, when he had a 32 point lead heading in to Silverstone two weeks ago. On the other hand, the names that were affected by damage on that first turn were some serious points producers, so the results of the race are a little hollow. Norris, Leclerc, Botas, Perez, Stroll, all out. Verstappen and Ricardo suffering heavy damage, both would try to get something out of the machine. And if that's how you feel, that Ocon's victory is somehow marred by the fact that the top contenders in the championship were out or affected heavily, well, that's racing, and it always has been. To take away a point stay for both Williams drivers or to downplay Ocon's victory because those contenders were out, it's kind of a false argument in this sport. Racing has always had results like this and always will have results like this. All right, so let's get started on this. Qualifying on Saturday produced a really interesting storyline and one I actually was looking forward to. You had Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas securing a front row lockout and both were on medium tires. Everyone else in the top 10 were going to have to start the race on softs with Verstappen and Perez both behind the Silver Arrows. Now, I was looking forward to this because it created a really interesting situation on how the strategy of the race would be. Could Red Bull charge to the front at lights out, force their way into the front? Could Mercedes hold them off? How long would the soft tires last if they did lead the pack? So there was this really cool strategic element that people were speculating for nearly 24 hours. But then it didn't matter, because rain on Sunday had intermediate tires out for the start, and that storyline was dead. Now, that's fine with me, because I love races in the rain. I think it brings out an interesting element you don't always see. But the only driver to come into the pits to change out of the intermediates was Antonio Giovinazzi, who took the gamble that the track would quickly dry up. So away everybody went, Botas gets off to a terrible start, and he's being passed by the Red Bulls, and on to the right, Lando Norris passes him, heading into turn one, and it was late breaking for him. He hits Norris, who then hit Verstappen. Charles Leclerc got tangled up in it after Lance Stroll tried to avoid the crash and getting going off the curbs in turn one. Sergio Perez gets tangled up in it, so it, you have a complete and utter mess. Now, Verstappen is able to drive away with damage, but Norris Norris, Botas, Leclerc, Stroll, Perez, later ruled out of the race. And that's five of 20 drivers that's taken out in the first lap. 
Now, McLaren did announce that Norris would not continue during the red flag, but Red Bull frantically worked on Verstappen's car to repair some of the damage, and it was pretty severe. So during the red flag, and this is where it gets interesting, you have Lewis Hamilton, Esteban Ocon, and Sebastian Vettel. Those are the top three. Then it gets really crazy because there was another major factor in how this race unfolds. The cars are out on the formation lap from the pit lane, and every single one of them decides to come in to change for slicks because everyone is seeing that the track is drying up. The sun is coming out. The track is drying up. But when I say everyone, I meant everyone except Lewis Hamilton because on the intermediate tires, he sits all by himself on the grid. Now, this immediately brings up memories for those of you who remember. I mean, everybody was kind of buzzing about this on Twitter. The U.S. Grand Prix of 2005, where there were like six cars on the grid in Indianapolis due to the tire controversy there. That was like my first thought. It was like, oh my God, look at this. But it, it it's kind of, hilarious it, like his one car that's out on the grid and lights out and Hamilton is like oh crap I gotta get moving because he knows they're coming they're, they're as soon as he's out they can start exiting the pit lane and once that happens he's a sitting duck so Hamilton's the only one that starts the race and he's on intermediates and everyone else is pitting for slicks so he only manages a five second lead before he has to go into the pits to change Right, So he comes out, it's lap five, and he's dead last. There's 14 cars on uh, that are racing. He's dead last. This was a terrible decision by Hamilton. He started from pole. He would have dominated this race. His closest rivals are in the garage. And instead, he's forced to climb through the field. And get this, he's climbing through the field on a track that doesn't really promote overtaking. And with that, Esteban Ocon has the lead of the race for Alpine. Now, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. Hamilton did not have radio communication with, on the formation lap. You can't talk to your team. So this decision to stay out of the front was his. But their, Mercedes defends this decision by saying, all right, look, our pit stop, our pit stall is on the entry. So if he comes in, he's the first one to come in. We're going to change his tires, but then we have to sit because we can't exit the pit stall because everyone's coming into the pit lane. So we can't release him. So they estimated that this was going to put him about six at the start of the race. Now this is good spin, but let's be honest. This was not a good decision. How you spin it. This was a bad decision, right? You're the leader of the race. You're trying to dictate something. But Esteban Ocon, who's behind you, he realizes what the situation is, and he goes, we're going in for slicks. And when he does that, everybody else goes for slicks. But you heard it on the radio from George Russell. He's like, everybody's going in. And Hamilton decides not to. Now, it's a it's a serious mistake, because even though Mercedes has the sort of advantage, because they have the pace, and anybody that would have challenged him they're out or damaged. I mean, Perez is out. Verstappen's, you know, got damaged. Botas is out. Norris is out. Leclerc is out. So any sort of rival, if you can call it that, they're not racing. So he's got a bunch of back markers and midfield teams. And again, this is a serious decision because this is a race. It was in, it was in the bag. I mean, it was absolutely in the bag. You can't ask for a better scenario for Hamilton to not only win the race, but dominate a race. And I don't care if he would have come out of the pit sixth to, for that restart. I don't, ca- I don't care. I, he, the reality of it is he had the fastest car. I mean, he had the fastest car. He would have, he would have, if he could climb through the field, if you believed he could have climbed through the field from 14th to win, the, what do you think he would have done at sixth? 
I mean, come on. This is, again, this is spin. I get it. This is what teams do. But this was not a good decision. I, do not try to spin this in any other way. This was a bad decision. This was not strategic, and it wasn't one of those things that was smart at the time that didn't work out. He should have gone in for slicks. He could have seen it. Everybody else was seeing it. The sun was out, and the track was drying up. So as the race starts, you find a rhythm, and it's interesting because you start seeing the running order. So you got Ocon and Vettel, Latifi's running third, Yuki Sonoda's fourth, George Russell is seventh, Mick Schumacher's tenth. Now, of course, this wasn't the end result, but when you lose six drivers, Nikita Mazepin later was out, five of them are guys that are going to score some points, plus you got Verstappen and Ricardo driving around in damaged cars. Backmarkers, teams can earn top ten finishes, and that's what you're going to get. So, all right, so Hamilton has to make his way through the field on a track where overtaking is very hard to do, even if you have a car with pace. Now, he did this while Esteban Ocon and Sebastian Vettel are separating themselves from the pack, and Nicholas Latifi is running third. He sort of acts as almost a buffer, if you will. Now, meanwhile, Hamilton... Now, meanwhile, Verstappen is driving around in a damaged car. So is Daniel Ricciardo. He's struggling, Verstappen is, to get past Mick Schumacher and then later Ricciardo. Now, those two drivers, Verstappen and Ricciardo, they pit at the same time. Hamilton, he's able to get past both of them off their exits. This was key because if Hamilton's going to fight his way through the front, the more cars in front of you that are trying to hold on to something, you don't need that. It's got You have to avoid that, and Hamilton did. So the more cars in his way, the tougher the chances are of getting to the front. So as for the leader, Sebastian Vettel, he pits on lap 37. Now there's a problem on his left rear. That's a slow stop for him. Costs him about a second. Ocon comes in a lap later and he's able to get out ahead of Vettel, who's trying to make the undercut. Doesn't work. Hamilton, he comes in at lap 48. Now this is where it got interesting because there's 22 laps remaining and he, you know, he it's hammer time. So Lewis Hamilton gets on his horse and tries to get really rolling through the field. However, he runs into Fernando Alonso. And this, to me, was the most entertaining part of the race. This is why for Alonso got driver of the day. He holds off Hamilton for 10 laps. And while he's doing that, he's helping his teammate Esteban Ocon up front. Because it's one thing to hold off Vettel. Now, Vettel is quick. Now, Vettel is quick, but Ocon's holding him back. Now, Hamilton, that's a different story. And Alonso's doing his best to hold up Hamilton for as long as he possibly can to just let Ocon deal with Vettel without having to deal with Hamilton. But eventually Hamilton does pass Alonso. It was a little bit of radio complaining on Hamilton's part, but he does get past him. And then Carlos Sainz is out on the racetrack ahead and he passes Sainz. He's getting closer and closer to the leaders. However, Ocon holds on and in the end gets his first Formula One victory. And what a victory it was. Vettel finishes second. Now, more later, because he gets disqualified. We'll talk about that in a bit. Hamilton finishes third. Max Verstappen finishes 10th. So Hamilton retakes the lead of the championship at that moment by six points. All right. So what happened to Seb? After the race, officials could not take a liter of fuel from the car. And they're only able to take three-tenths. Now, the sample is taken to check the legality of the fuel that's in the car, and this resulted in a disqualification. Now, as of this recording, Aston Martin is planning an appeal. They say there's 1.4 liters in the car, so now the car has been impounded for review. So now everybody moves up a spot, except for Ocon, obviously, because he finished first. Everyone moves up a spot. Now Hamilton is, a, is P2, and his championship lead now over Verstappen goes from six points to eight as Verstappen moves up to nine. So let's look at this for a second. This race had the following. Botas crashes into Norris. 
The carnage takes himself, Norris, Leclerc, Stroll, and Perez out of the race. Verstappen sustains serious damage, and now he's not a factor. Hamilton makes this decision to stay out on the immediate, intermediate tires for the restart, and that results with him being on the grid by himself and everyone else's pit is in the pit lane, and he ends up 14th when, it's all, when it shakes itself out, and he's got to make his way through the field. You have a first-time winner in Esteban Ocon. Sebastian Vettel is battling it out for the checkered flag. You see Williams not only get points, they get points from both drivers. And George Russell is even a little emotional on finally achieving this accomplishment for the team. And then you also have two of the sport's iconic drivers in Hamilton and Alonso fighting 10 laps, an amazing display of both driving, attacking, and defending. And then to top it all off, oh, by the way, we've got a critical disqualification of Vettel that affects the championship and the constructor's standings. So when I say this race had it all, it had it all. Find me another race that had all of these elements. You're going to be digging. You're going to be digging through the history books for a while. Now, as for the crash that took out a quarter of the field, and that's a lot, and most of them top drivers, I know how Red Bull fans feel. This, they, they, they especially feel for Max Verstappen. This is the second straight race that a Mercedes driver has taken him out. So you know people are going to be upset on social media, and they weren't. Now, look. Botas didn't do this deliberately. Of course not. However, think about this. The optics right now are not good. Remember the Austrian Grand Prix? Mercedes, they sounded defeated. Right? Red Bull looked unstoppable. Right? Hamilton had no problems even admitting that, you know, this could be almost impossible for us to catch up in the championship. And we're two races later. And what's happened? The guy that was the championship leader coming out of Austria has been hit twice in two races on the first lap. And both times that he was hit, it's from a Mercedes car. So optics are not good for Mercedes right now. And again, I don't think Botas did this deliberately. I think it was just stupid. It's, it's really hard to process this. I mean, over the last two races, Red Bull's two drivers, Verstappen and Perez, what do they have? Two DNFs, a P16, and a P10 that's now a P9 after the Vettel DQ. That's how championships change dramatically. That's why all the grandiose comments from Hamilton, oh, we don't know how we're going to be competitive. We don't know what's, what we're going to do. It's going to be nearly impossible to win this championship. He knows, we know that this is the kind of things can happen. You can get a punctured tire. You can have a mechanical failure. You can be involved in a crash. Your fault or not your fault. These things can happen and they can change everything so quickly. But it does give you a sting when the top driver has been knocked out twice and his competition is the reason why. I mean, we can argue all day about whether or not Lewis Hamilton had position at cops at Silverstone, right? We can argue who's at fault all day. There have been both. I don't think anybody saw what Botas did and went, well, it's a racing. It was, it was a dumb move. It was a dumb thing to do. And he knows it. he got a five grid penalty for it. Everyone's ticked off out of him. He took the blame. Good for him. But it was a stupid move on his part, the way he drove into that corner. So again, this is just, I can understand how hard it is to process if you're a Red Bull and a Verstappen fan, because I'd be livid too. His lead was comfortable. It was 32 going into Silverstone. It was 33 after he picked up that extra point in the sprint race. And now he's down eight after two races where he doesn't finish a race in Britain, and then he finishes P9 after a DQ with a damaged car. It's tough to swallow. 
All right, so let's run through the teams from the Hungarian Grand Prix and give you a quick update of what happened. Mercedes, Hamilton ends up P2 after the DQ. That's a good result. But again, this was a missed opportunity for the team. Both drivers were on the front row of this race. Botas crashed. He's out. Hamilton's decision to stay on the intermediates proves costly. He could have ran away with this. He should have lapped the field. He had a, he had a dominating car and a dominating starting position. I mean, he finished P3 of this race, gets the extra points because the Seb's car was low on fuel. All right, so I don't think if I'm Mercedes, a P3 is a good result. P1 by 100 miles should have been the result of this race. Botas now has a five-grid penalty for the Belgium Grand Prix for, the, for, that, for that start, for that crash. And you know what? Who knows what that will mean to him at Spa, I mean, in terms of constructors. Red Bull, uh, this again is a terrible weekend. I would have loved to have seen how this tire strategy played out with both Verstappen and Perez on softs and Mercedes on mediums. We got rain and then we got a dumb crash. Perez out and Verstappen limping around in a damaged car. And good credit to Verstappen's mechanical crew. You saw it in Hungary when they uh, last year when they got on that grid and tried to repair his car and did so and he finished P2. They dr- tried to do the same thing. It just wasn't going to work, but at least he got around and got into the points. Because when you have a 14-car field, get into the points, right? You're in this championship, get into the points. Verstappen did that, finished P10, now P9 with the DQ. Alpine. Oh, this couldn't have been better. A win? A P4? Alonzo showing us a masterclass in defending. Ocon getting a victory after all he's been through. After he was dumped by Racing Point, after Lawrence Stroll bought the team and gave the ride to his son. Had to become a Mercedes reserve driver and then finally landed with Renault, now Alpine. Really good for him. Good for the team. Um, Ocon, you got to give credit to him. I mean, holding off a faster Sebastian Vettel for the entire race. That does need to be commended. I know, I know. The the A lot of the good cars were out of this thing, but what he did to hold off Vettel really deserves praise. Ferrari, Leclerc, one of the victims in lap one, uh, but Carlos Sainz finishing P3 after the, the disqualification. Now, he wisely told his team that, that it, he would not pit because he had pace, and that proved to be the right call. In the end, he couldn't hold off Hamilton, but that was still a great drive from Sainz. By the way, did you see the video of Will Buxton in the interview after the race, and Buxton has to tell him he has to go see the stewards because of radio communication on the formation lap, and Sainz doesn't want to even talk about it. Doesn't even, just, not, just walks away. <laughs> Very funny video. Check it out. AlphaTauri, both points for Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda. However, Gasly wanted more and was a bit disappointed. Now, when you lose top drivers and cars on lap one, you have a golden opportunity if you're a midfield team. He finishes P5 after the DQ, which meant he finished sixth, but he started the race fifth. So he dropped a place. That didn't sit well and shouldn't. When you are starting the race P5 and so much carnage takes out the top part of the field, you should be expecting to run towards the front. And he didn't. That didn't really, it, he wasn't really happy with that. It's good points, but it could have been better points. Sonoda finishing P6. Williams, what can you say? They finally did it. They got some points. And good ones at that, too. Latifi ends up after the DQ finishing P7. Russell finishing P8. Now, we've been waiting on Russell to get some points for quite some time. His emotion afterwards said he shed a tear. Well, that's what, that was justified. Look, he's been very close, and uh, even though he wants that Mercedes seat next year, he's not ignoring the hard work and the effort that Williams is putting in front of him time and time again. I, I do think, look, it's one thing to say, look, my future is somewhere else, but he's for the here and now. I mean, remember on the radio when he said, look, I'll do whatever it has to do to help Nicholas. I'm, I'm, in, you know, I'm in for the team. That's been George Russell's MO. He is of obviously looking ahead to the future, but while he's driving for Williams, he's driving for Williams. He really wanted that point. 
He really wanted it. Almost had it at Imola last year, running in the top 10 in Austria for before being passed by Fernando Alonso. He has been so close. And now he's got a point. Aston Martin. Well, it's either going to be a P2 after the appeal or a day with no points. Take your pick. Vettel's drive, though, fantastic. He just couldn't keep up with Ocon. Just couldn't catch him. It's a tough place to overtake. He just couldn't quite catch Esteban. Now, Stroll, he tried to avoid the crash on the front of him in turn one. He went onto the right curbs, but because that hits Leclerc, that ends his day. Now, if this appeal does stand, this is a heartbreaking outcome for the team. Go from podium to a, to a day where you don't get any points. That's really, really tough. Stroll also gets a five-grid penalty for the Belgium race in a couple of weeks. McLaren. Too bad for Lando Norris. His 15-race streak comes to an end. He gets a DNF. Uh, that's really too bad. They were in the red flag situation when that was announced. I felt bad for Norris. I've been on his uh, on his uh, praise all, all throughout the season, and deservedly so. He's the most consistent driver of the year. Daniel Ricciardo finishes outside on the points, a day where 14 drivers finishing the race. But like Verstappen, he had damage on his car. And the team said that cost him about eight-tenths of a second per lap. And he had everything wrong with it. I mean, front wing, barge boards, floor on the right side. So finishing a lap down is understandable for Ricardo, uh, and there's no points in the constructors for the team. Alfa Romeo, it is a P10 for Kimi Raikkonen and a P13 for Antonio Giovinazzi. Both got 10-second penalties during the race. Haas, Mick Schumacher ends up P12. Obviously his best finish in his rookie season, Nikita Mazepin suffered damage when he pitted for slicks and then ran into Kimi Raikkonen and was released improperly. That's on Kimi. That's a tough break. A day, again, when the backmarker teams could pick up something, some kind of points. Haas does not get any on this particular day. Uh, it's It was kind of interesting in the race. I mean, Mick Schumacher is not used to having to defend like Max Verstappen or Daniel Ricciardo. And in this race, he had to, right? Because of all the shuffling, he doesn't just go, oh, Max Verstappen's behind me. I guess I should move away, right? He, instead, he's like, no, I got to fight for this position. So I can't imagine sort of the newness of that, seeing the Red Bull in your rear view mirror and going, no, I could actually fight him in this corner. And that's that's what he did. So, all right, driver of the day. A lot of people went with Esteban Ocon, obviously, for holding off Sebastian Vettel, picking up his first win. You win the Grand Prix, you should get driver of the day, especially if it's your first. Uh, I went with Fernando Alonso, like a lot of other people did, because I thought I was so entertained by watching him defend Lewis Hamilton. It was such a fun part of this race to see these world champions go at it. Um, even though Hamilton was complaining about some of the tactics, I didn't care. And afterwards, for Alonso to embrace Ocon and then kind of point to him to the crowd just to make sure he got his ovation. I, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. So again, this race had everything and, it, and this leads us into the summer break off for a number of weeks and then returning at the end of the month at spa. One of my favorite circuits on the calendar. I, I know I say that I got a lot of favorite circuits on the calendar, but I can't wait. We got to go through a whole month of August before we get to that point, but it's going to be well worth it because it's a sprint run. I mean, this was just round 11 uh, of the championship. So we got some races left. One other note, though, we're going to see how this calendar shakes up. There's still some iffy races on the calendar in terms of COVID protocols and going. I mean, it looks like Brazil could be in trouble. Mexico could be in trouble on the calendar. We'll see how those races are replaced. We're going to get to see Turkey in the second half. Uh, we're going to get to see Japan in the second half, maybe. Circuit of, Ameri Circuit of the Americas in Austin. So I'm really looking forward to the second half of the season. 
All right, this podcast will be taking a couple of weeks off for the summer break, but I will put out a fast lap or two in the next couple of weeks just to sort of go over some news or notes when it is made. I do want to do a first half of the season review podcast where we kind of talk about the races, the first 11 of the season, some of the likes, dislikes, and and just circumstances that got us to this point. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Once again, subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us grow. Leave us a five-star review if you like what you do. Find us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. We'd love to hear from you we'd love to see your comments on especially controversial things that are going on in the sports your thoughts about these crashes these finishes the races in general your drivers of the day uh, and also too if you need to hit us up on uh, twitter you can do so at, at tony d radio and we'd love to read your emails at uh, at the overtake f1 podcast at gmail.com some of you have sent us some emails so we really appreciate that All right, so once again, look for the Fast Lap podcast at sometime in the month of August. And don't forget, towards the uh, end of the month, we'll have our preview of the Belgium Grand Prix from Spa. All right, thanks for listening. I am Tony D, and this is the Overtake F1 podcast.